0: This morning we are continuing in our sermon series on the book of Acts as we look at the earliest days of the Christian church. This morning we continue in chapter 5, reading from verses 17 through 32. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then the high priest took action, he and all who were with him, that is, the sect of the Sadducees, being filled with jealousy, arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors, brought them out and said, go stand in the temple and tell the people the whole message about this life. When they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and went on with their teaching. When the high priest and those with him arrived, they called together the council and the whole body of the elders of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the temple police went there, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were perplexed about them, wondering what might be going on. Then someone arrived and announced, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went with the temple police and brought them, but without violence, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. When they had brought them, they had them stand before the council. The high priest questioned them saying, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you are determined to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than any human authority the god of our ancestors raised up jesus whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree god exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior that he might give repentance to israel and forgiveness of sins and we are witnesses to these things and so is the holy spirit whom god has given to those who obey him this is the word of the lord be to god. would you pray with me Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me, that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of our risen and reigning Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. With another presidential election year approaching for our country. God help us all. There's going to be a lot of talk about our freedoms as Americans. And many of these freedoms have to do with making sure we have access to all the things that we want or deserve in life. And one of the ways that we protect those freedoms is through the idea of rights. Things that we are all entitled to and then nobody is supposed to be able to take away from us. Like the right to say whatever we want or to remain silent, the right to vote, the right to have fair treatment under the law, the right to live the way we choose, to, to pursue happiness, and so on. And it is by holding on to these rights that we believe we will remain free. Trouble is, the Bible while very concerned with freedom, is not particularly interested in the idea of rights. Instead, it's far more interested in grace, which by definition is something we have absolutely no right to. And according to Scripture, it is grace rather than rights that gives us true freedom. There are many kinds of prisons that hold us far more captive than any cell made of steel bars ever could. And there's just something about the gospel of grace that renders all prisons ineffective. Now in our text this morning, we find the apostles once again being thrown into prison. They had been out preaching the the gospel of Jesus Christ and been healing those who were sick. People were coming from the towns all around Jerusalem to hear the good news and be cured of their ailments. Apparently, people were even laying their their, their sick loved ones in the streets on the chance that Peter's shadow might fall on them as he passed by. It was incredible. Unfortunately, the apostles' actions also drew more attention from the religious authorities, from the high priest and the Sadducees if you recall, the Sadducees were from the ruling priestly families of Jerusalem, and they were responsible for maintaining the temple. They were highly educated, very wealthy, and politically connected, having learned to collaborate with the Romans. The Sadducees only believed in the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, and they interpreted the law strictly and literally. They did not believe in the idea of resurrection or in life after death. They believed that this life was all there was, and so they had to make the most of it. And that meant doing whatever it took to maintain their power and position in society. But when the apostles start creating lots of fuss and gathering lots of tension, attention for preaching about the resurrection and demonstrating extraordinary deeds of power, well, the Sadducees started to sweat. Their carefully maintained position in life was being threatened, and by a bunch of Galilean rednecks at that. And so, like many people with power, they did the only thing they knew how to do, protect their self-interests. They had already arrested Peter and John once for preaching about Jesus and ordered them to keep quiet, and yet here they were back at it again. So this time they just decided to bust the whole lot of them. So they arrested all the apostles and had them thrown into prison. Now I'm going to go out on a limb here this morning and guess that most of you have not spent much time in prison. We actually go to great lengths to make sure that we and our children do not end up behind bars. Now, mostly, we just try to carefully follow all the rules. You know, we, we don't rob banks, we drive on the right side of the road, we pay our taxes. We generally do what we're supposed to do. We've actually gotten quite good at following all the rules. And in fact, in many ways, we're really not so different from the Sadducees. But the truth is, not all prisons are made of steel. And many of us here live in other kinds of prisons that prevent us from living life to the fullest. Some of us live in prisons of fear or anxiety that paralyze us. Others of us live in prisons of addiction or pride that control our our thoughts and our actions. Some of us live in prisons of illness that hold our bodies or our minds captive. And others of us live in prisons of anger and resentment or or grief or self-doubt or guilt. Guilt over things that we've said or done. Guilt over our children. Guilt over things left unsaid to loved ones who are no longer with us. Be very sure that chains of guilt can be so much stronger than steel. Now, fortunately, most of us do not live in the prison of poverty, which can often make Alcatraz look like an easy escape by comparison. Of course, as Jesus made clear, wealth can be just as much of a prison as poverty, as we never seem to have enough And the more we have, the harder it seems for us to be able to let it go. I wonder, what is the name of the prison cell that holds you captive? Whatever it is, it is not where you are meant to be because prisons prevent us from being fully and freely alive. And God created you to be free. This is why Jesus Christ came into this world and died on the cross to free us from the power of sin that holds all of us captive. And in his resurrection, he shattered the doors of that prison we call death so that now no prison is a match for the risen Savior, not even the one that is holding you. Well, after the disciples are arrested and thrown into prison, God sends an angel in the night to bust them out of jail. And the angel tells them to go back to the temple and continue preaching to all the people, sharing with them the whole message about this life. Now, I find it significant that Of the two Greek words for life, the one used here is zoe, rather than bios. Now bios is the root of our English words biology and biography. It means physical life, chronological life that has a beginning and an end. It has to do with what we accomplish during our years on earth, how we make a living for ourselves, and how we fill our time. When we say that we have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, this is the kind of life we're talking about. And it's the only kind of life the Sadducees understood. Zoe, by contrast, is life with a capital L. It means abundant life, resurrected life, eternal life, life that has no end, that death has no power over. And it comes to us only as a gift as grace. Now this is a bit harder for us to understand than bias, because like the Sadducees, what we understand is striving and achievement, of working hard to, to get ourselves to the right place in life and accumulate as much as we can before someone blows the whistle and says, you, out of the pool. And we have a hard time understanding life as a gift to be received. But this is the kind of life that we were created for. And it's found only in Jesus Christ. Not in our jobs, or in our marriages, or in our stock portfolios, or in our possessions, or in our accomplishments, or in the pursuit of happiness. And has there ever been a greater slave master than that? Now, Zoe is found in Christ alone. It's what gives our bios lives meaning and purpose and holiness and freedom. And it was the message about this life, this Zoe, which is our free gift in Jesus Christ, that the apostles began proclaiming to all the people. Meanwhile, The religious leaders send to the jail to have all the apostles brought to them, only to discover that they were no longer there. Then to their horror, they learn that the apostles are out teaching all the people once again in the temple of all places on their turf where they were supposed to have authority. And so they send the guards to bring them back in again and demand to know why they were continuing to teach in the name of Jesus in direct disobedience to their strict orders. But with the freedom of those who were so filled with zoe life in Jesus Christ that they were completely unafraid for their bios lives. Peter And the other apostles respond, we must obey God rather than any human authority. After all, that is the true purpose of our freedom in Christ, that we might live in faithful and fearless obedience to God. You see, Jesus didn't come and break us out of every prison that holds us captive so we can just be free to do whatever we want in life. He loves us far too much to do that to us. Contrary to what Hollywood tells us, that's not a blessing but a curse. That's just throwing us back into the prison cell of our own whims and urges which are deeply infected by the destructive power of sin. No, Jesus releases us from every prison so that we might be free to joyfully obey God above all else. He didn't come just to set us free from all the things that imprison us. He came to set us free for a life of faithfulness to God, that we might experience the abundant life, the zoe that we were created for. But as long as we're held captive by the power of sin, We are incapable of living in obedience to God. For sin twists and distorts our minds and our wills so that we're not who God created us to be and our thoughts and actions are not our own. As the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 7, we keep trying to do what we think is right and yet we cannot seem to do it. And all the things that we we don't want to do, we, we keep on doing. Sin just has too great a hold on us. And so like the, the Sadducees, we often just try to stick to the rules thinking that that will give us life, liberty, and happiness. But there is no amount of rules or rights or accomplishments or coping strategies that can free our souls from the deadly prison of sin. Only Jesus can do that. And it begins when we accept the forgiveness that he purchased for us on the cross. And we start to see life not as a goal for us to achieve, but as an unfolding gift of grace to be received from God with humility and thanksgiving. Be very sure, if you choose to see this life as something you have to construct and achieve for yourself, your constant companion in life will be complaint, because you will never do quite enough, never achieve enough, never accumulate enough, never become happy enough, never get life right enough. You'll just be banging on the bars of your own prison cell. But if you choose to see this life as a gift to be received, then your constant companion in life will be gratitude because you will know that none of the good things in your life are things that you deserve. They are simply blessings of grace that God continues to shower upon you day after day. And it is only when you are filled with gratitude that you will ever be able to be free to live in joyful and loving obedience to God. That's what this life, which is ours in Jesus Christ, is really all about. It's the life you were created for. And it's free. All you have to do is receive it. Amen.